This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 25 Jurassic Park. Brady, this is the only podcast we're doing right now. I know. What's going on? I know. Doesn't it's it feel weird? weird? Yeah. I know. We meet up and it's just like, well, what are we going to do with we the have, rest of this half hour? You know, <laughs> we like, have all this extra time yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. It's weird. But it's cool because we're able to put you know more focus into Jurassic Park now. Uh, Absolutely. With, with yeah. time that we didn't have before. And like, you know, if you've heard this recently, we need to go ahead and state here off the top of the show that Jurassic Park Minute is now part of the Pele Media Group family, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. So Ghostbusters Minute, our previous podcast, came to an end. Uh, we released a commentary track for that and decided that we needed kind of an umbrella company, so to speak, that all these podcasts would fall under. Yeah, one, one roof to house all these uh, projects we want to do. Pele Media Group is our new company. We're just going to call it Pele Media for short. And you might have heard a podcast that we released today also just kind of explaining what was going on with that. But if you hear a little jingle at the beginning and the end of this podcast, kind of letting you know what Pele Media is, that's it. That's the biggest change you're going to hear. So awesome. let's do a breakdown. Cool. Well, here we go. In the previous minute, we saw Hammond lead the group into a theater that was showing a video on how the dinosaur cloning process worked. Grant, Ellie, and Malcolm were questioning how the DNA extraction process would work. At minute number 25, Ellie asks Grant, where do you get 100 million year old dinosaur blood? As Ellie asks the question, she is shushed. At 25.05, we see the on-screen Hammond looking at his finger as a cartoon swirl appears from the wound. As Hammond watches the swirl disappear into the air, a cartoon DNA strand taps him on his shoulder. Hammond asks, what, what? On-screen Hammond then realizes what the cartoon is and asks, Mr. DNA, where did you come from? The cartoon Mr. DNA tells Hammond, from your blood. Mr. DNA then goes on to tell Hammond that just one drop of his blood contains billions of strands of DNA and calls DNA the building blocks of life. At 25.22, we cut to a fully animated sequence where Mr. DNA squeezes himself from a blueprint. Mr. DNA says that a DNA strand is a blueprint for a living thing. Mr. DNA then transforms into a few building blocks himself, which then turn into the outline of a brachiosaur. At 25.29, we then cut back to a shot of Grant sitting in the theater watching the projection. Mr. DNA's voiceover then states that sometimes animals that have gone extinct millions of years ago, like dinosaurs, left their blueprints behind. We just had to know where to look. At 25.37, we cut back to the animated sequence where a mosquito is sucking the blood from a dinosaur. Mr. DNA's voice says that over 100 million years ago, there were mosquitoes just like today. At 25.49, we cut from a shot of a mosquito flying from a dinosaur to a live-action shot of a mosquito getting caught in tree resin. And thus ends minute number 25 of Jurassic Park. So this is a really cool sequence, the animated sequence of Mr. DNA. Uh, I, I really love how it played out, uh, how it works in the movie, and the animation looks really cool too. So yeah. it's, it's kind of cool. To, it's a very real-world thing. There's stuff like this in amusement parks, and if you were somebody going to Jurassic Park, you really they really would need to have some sort of thing like this to acclimate yeah. you and get you adjusted to, to why there's dinosaurs here. Right. Um, I think a really good... Uh Analogy for this would be figment in the yeah I think so too. Ride. So explain to people what figment was. Actually, you're probably better at it than me. Okay, so I don't quite. So uh, when the Epcot Center was originally created in 1982, there was kind of a uh, icon for that park, and it was figment who was a little purple dragon who was the figment of your imagination. And figment uh, had a creator named Dreamfinder who kind of thought him up into existence. And Dreamfinder was just this kind of like happy-go-lucky uh, old guy with a beard who wanted to teach kids about. 
their imagination, how they could, you know, uh, imagine science or art or something like that, and how the imagination was the thing that would bring this stuff into real life. Like, first you had to have the idea, then you had to do it, right? So Figment was kind of a cartoon that in Epcot would kind of explain to kids, like, hey, there's science and stuff. Isn't that cool? It all started with an idea. One Little Spark was the theme song that Figment had. Right. But, uh, yeah, Figment was a cartoon. He was a puppet in the park, and he was a, a character on an attraction, and they had all sorts of Figment merchandise. Figment was awesome. Yeah. If he didn't experience Figment, I'm sorry. They don't really have a good representation for him. But just like Mr. DNA, uh, when you went to the Imagination Ride, Figment was kind of your guide through how your imagination worked and how it applied to the real world. So very similar to Mr. DNA. Yeah, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, yeah. Um, Mr. So, DNA is kind of the other icon, I think, of Jurassic Park. The park. Yeah. Uh, so Mr. DNA is a creation for the movie. He was not in the book. Right. And it's the book takes chapter upon chapter upon chapter to explain DNA cloning and yeah. the mining for Amber and everything like that. This is a really like neat, engaging way to do all that in about two minutes and let you accept all of what he's telling you. It's an as, info dump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's, a, it's a really great way to, do, to show I mean, it to the audience. Just yeah. imagine if they had tried to do this sequence with adults talking to adults about it and everything. Right. It would have been fascinating and interesting and everything, but you need to get this into... Like you and I can understand, as adults can understand all of this and accept it as truth, right? Kids are not going to be able to um, follow that. So yeah. you need something to really get it across to them. And what better way to do it than a cartoon? To explain it to me like I'm five. That's right. And that's what this does. And yeah. it's a Steven Spielberg movie. So of course, you know, nobody's yeah. better at conveying things to all ages than him. Yeah. Um, so I've got a little info on Greg Burson. He's the guy who voiced Mr. DNA. Yeah, hit me with it. Uh, well, he has been doing voice work for a long time. He passed away in 2008 at 59, mm. but he actually took over from Mel Blanc as Bugs Bunny. Really? Mel wow. Mel Blanc passed away, oh, yeah. Oh, wow, that's crazy. So let me ask you this. Yeah. So in Jurassic World, they brought Mr. DNA back. Do you know who voiced him? Uh, no, and I don't remember him even being in the movie. Was hey, he in very, the background? Very brief. Or it was a brief? Yeah, very yeah, brief. No, who voiced him in, in the movie? Colin Trevorrow, the director. No way, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. It's huh. pretty awesome. Huh. So we also see, um, at this point, Malcolm's interest in Ellie growing. Uh, and that's really the creation of the screenwriter, David Kep. Yeah. Um, and without his involvement, you probably wouldn't really have had all the character that you have in this movie, uh, primarily with Malcolm. And, you know, you would have gotten the interesting character, like we have in the book, who's always talking about... You know, um, all of the, the chaos theory and really putting a lot of that in, but you wouldn't have had the Playboy. Right. And yeah. so David Kep is the person who really uh who really brought this to the movie. Yeah, he and uh yeah, he and Jeff Goldblum kind of created that character. Because in the book he was I don't want to say he was necessarily bland. You had the chaos theory and everything, mm -hmm. the black clothes and all that, but it definitely wasn't the um Lothario, I think, that this Ian Malcolm turned out to be. Yeah. So, yeah. Like you said, the Peter Venkman. Yeah, the Peter Venkman of the yeah. group, yeah. Um and you know, this this without him would have been movie an um, action movie about dinosaurs chasing people. Right. But instead we get a movie that we have characters we can invest in and follow and be entertained by. And I think um, that primarily comes from, from David Kep's involvement. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. He does little things like he'll always sit next to Ellie uh, yeah. when, when he can, just like little yeah. creeper things like that that you know you probably might not notice or think too much of when you're in public, but it's like, yeah, that's somebody would do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Funny stuff. Yeah. That's all I've got for this minute. I have one little thing I wanted to point out here, which is just kind of about the science of Jurassic Park, because we think about uh, you know movies like this, and I think sometimes they're unfairly judged for uh, scientific accuracy. Now, the other day when Mark Landry was on uh, one of the last episodes of Ghostbuster Minute, I think it was minute number 97, he kind of talked a minute for a minute about... Um, Little logical things, like the fact that Peter Vakeman has to get from Dana Barrett's apartment to the Ghostbusters headquarters really late at the night or early in the morning, and the, the time doesn't really work out. Well, movies a lot of time, we want them to make sense, especially when they're in, they use science 
you know, as part of the as yeah. part of the premise of the movie. But like, they don't. They can't. The, the very structure of how a film is edited, there's going to be some parts that just don't make sense. And sometimes we, we, what we bring to a, a, a like a director or a filmmaker has a lot to do with that. Like, if I were to see, I don't expect to have like scientific accuracy from a David Lynch movie. That's more like a dream logic type situation, you know. But this movie, because it's talking about science to scientific stuff dna cloning and stuff like that we do kind of like want to hold it to what it's actually doing so whenever there's kind of a gap in what they're doing or there's kind of a um, maybe it doesn't all make sense we do kind of give it a little bit of undue i, I think we unfairly are a little bit harsh on it so uh but basically it's this question you know, can we clone dinosaurs from amber and trapped in dna it's a possibility the author and scientist david cobalt published an article called the science of jurassic park on his website dancobalt.com and from his article and i'm taking this from his article but finding a genome template from ancient samples with enough intact information in the blueprint to produce more than a few genes is very difficult. The quality and amount of ancient DNA depends on the sample preservation and the natural degradation degradation, excuse me, degradation of the geno- genomic DNA. DNA, the chemical strands that contain the genetic instructions for the development and function of living things is a fairly stable biological molecule. DNA is stable enough that life trusts it with its past, present, and future. But DNA degrades over time. It is difficult to find intact pieces of ancient DNA, especially in amber-trapped insects found in South American rainforest environments, as laid out in Jurassic Park. The extraction of the blueprint DNA from this source would probably not produce enough viable genetic information to clone even one deadly claw. So, as we've heard before, this is a massive, massive, massive undertaking. Yeah. It was especially a massive undertaking for the early 90s when this book was thought up and, and typed out. I mean, it's getting every day with kind of what computers do and can do. We get a little bit closer to this being a possibility, but mm-hmm. the amount of information you'd have to get from one mosquito would be immense. So yeah. you'd have to get like hundreds of mosquitoes and then you'd have to sample out like, well, what of this is raptor DNA? What of this is stegosaurus DNA? Those things were, you know, in two different, completely, completely yeah. different time yeah. periods. So, um, it's interesting. I just, I just wanted to bring that up as something because, you know, going forward, we're going to be talking about science and I think it's unfair. To, we can talk about the gaps in the logic of Jurassic Park as opposed to what we see on screen, but I don't want to say that we're making a judgment call on whether or not the quality of the movie Absolutely is there. Absolutely not. And I think that a lot of times, like we hear people talk about, like, well, there's a scientist in this movie and he was uh, in space and he took off his helmet. This real scientist wouldn't do that. It's like, yeah, it's a movie. No shit. You know, like mm-hmm. these aren't actually real scientists we're supposed to be watching. So yeah. it's not a documentary. It's not a documentary. No, we're not trying to hold this art up to be something real. So. Yeah. Going forward, just keep that in mind whenever we talk about the science. We're not making a judgment call on the quality. That's of true. And speaking of which, the rest of this sequence, which we're going to be getting more into uh, tomorrow, um, gets even heavier into that, uh, that subject matter. Yeah. So get ready for some more interesting science jargon. Yeah. And uh, until then. Well, awesome. Well, let's get out of here. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more Jurassic Park Minute. And, uh, you know, we'll do some flubs and, on science. So, all right, <laughs> folks. Well, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and twitter.com slash Jurassic Minute.
You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Mahalo! Mahalo!